Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Gym Owner's Guide to the Galaxy. This podcast is a production of Sweat Angels. Sweat Angels helps gym owners generate friend-to-friend referrals on Facebook. Every month, thousands of affiliate gyms, group fitness clubs, yoga studios, and martial arts schools rely on Sweat Angels to help them grow. To learn more about Sweat Angels, head to causely.com forward slash sweat angels. That's causely.com forward slash sweat angels, or just search for us on Facebook. Thanks for listening today. I'm John Ruggi. And I'm Matt Sharp. In today's episode, we'll talk to Dave the Mustache Kalina, founder and president of Formula O2 and all-around great guy. Today, Dave will share how Formula O2 came to be and his tips on running a kick-ass retail operation at your gym. Hey guys, we are very, very excited to have Dave Kalina on the show today. Dave is a good friend from back in the day. Uh, we met in 2014 at a professional fitness exerciser event. And this that was our first booth, I think, is what Angel's ever had. I don't know about Dave, but we were very, very rookie back then. Low budget. Yeah, we were push-ups, contests for t-shirts and gift certificates to probably barbecue joints back then. Um, but Dave is one of the guys we made friends with there. He had a crazy curled up mustache and he gave us some amazing drinks that ended up making it making their way back to our uh our gyms after that but we became friends and dave's just a very very cool guy and um has helped a lot of gyms kind of build out their retail and branding and just helping them kind of up their cool level with their members so very happy to have dave on the show and dave could you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got started and then we can kind of get into some of the other stuff I'd be happy to. Um, first, I've got a question for you. Be honest. Do, do you still like me as much now that I don't have a mustache anymore? It's it's definitely strained the relationship. We're still friends, but you not know, as close. Not as much. Yeah. When we turned on video today, I was uh, I was a little disappointed. Save like your wife gets a haircut, and it's <laughs> so you weren't angry. You, you were like just it. as, yeah, just like a yeah. little sad for you mainly. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, for sure, guys. I, I'm happy to tell you a little bit about my background. We um, we launched Formula O2 in 2014, and we all met at the uh, Central East Regional in Cincinnati. And that was, I think, a whopping three or four months after we had first launched. So I hesitate to call that our first booth because it wasn't even our booth. If you remember, oh, we were sharing right. we were sharing because uh, we were too cheap, still are, um, to, to to pony up for a booth. So we were sharing booth space with a local coffee shop, and so we were housed within this local coffee shop booth at, at Central Regionals uh, in Cincinnati, um, and we had a blast that weekend. I mean, I drove down um, to Cincinnati from Columbus with a car full of Formula O2 on Friday morning, and we sold through it on Friday and drove back up Friday night, loaded up at the warehouse, and then did the same thing on Saturday. And I think that uh, that we first met either Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon. I can't nice. remember. I can't remember if I won the push-up contest or was just a very <laughs> close finish. I can't recall off the top of my head. I'm um, sure you had a dream that you won the push-up contest. <laughs> Maybe it was the pull-up contest. I'm not sure. You got an you know, award for something. Yes, exactly. Participation. Um, but, uh, but that was our first big event with O2, and uh, and since then we've done, you know, we've done a lot of um, a lot of other events like that. Our biggest one so far has, has probably been the Arnold that we just did a couple weeks ago. I'm still recovering from, from hey, the Arnold. Dave, your email works. Uh, that's what I keep hearing. Um, You're very popular sorry. today. I'll close off. You guys can and will edit this, I'm sure. Right. Nope. Mm-hmm. Nope. 
No, just straight. Embarrass all of us. <laughs> hey, so so tell us why you started Formula O2. So that's an easy an easy question. Um, in 2010, I was working at Nationwide Insurance, which is headquartered here in Columbus, um, and I was in uh, I believe I was still working in corporate strategy, and I was working super long hours. Um, I was working out. I wasn't doing CrossFit yet. I started CrossFit, I think, in 11. Um, but I was doing like circuit training um, and high-intensity interval training. And I was eating pretty clean, but I was fueling this lifestyle of mine with um, a lot of Gatorade and a lot of Red Bull. And so I remember um, having this conversation with a friend of mine who, at the time, he was finishing his residency at Ohio State. And he was like, you know what? I do the same thing. I mean, he was... Um, he does triathlons. He was training a lot. Um, you know, obviously med school kept him pretty busy. Um, and we tried to eat clean, but we were just drinking like, like garbage and we couldn't really, you know, come up with a better alternative in terms of what to, you know, what to supplement our, um, our, our diet and exercise regimen with in terms of a drink. You know, I think, um, I'm I'm a big coffee fan personally. I drink it every morning, but I'm not going to drink coffee before a workout. Um, I think that coconut water is great in theory, but for me, I just personally don't like the taste. So we couldn't find anything uh, better. So we decided, you know what, let's try and make something for ourselves. And that was 2010. Uh, we thought it would be really easy to make a drink that <laughs> is all natural, tastes delicious, and delivers on its functional promise. Turns out it takes a little bit of time. Um, we spent four years in R&D, and so we officially launched Formula O2 at the Arnold Sports Festival in 2014. So that's how that's how the drink came to be. What's Did the you, story behind the name? Formula O2? Yep. Um, so we tried to make it telegraphic and kind of interesting. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that a name is, is just as good as what you put behind it as a brand. Um, we came up with Formula O2 based on uh, the actual formulation and what makes it most unique. Um, one of the big selling points of O2 is um, not necessarily what's inside of it, but also what's not inside of it. So for example, we don't have um, any artificial ingredients and we have a very simple, clean um, ingredient list, about 12 ingredients most everybody's heard of. Um, but one of those few ingredients is is highly oxygenated water. and um, you know, depending on how much time I've got uh, with somebody to tell them about our drink, I'll either get into the oxygen part or I or I won't um, because it's a little complicated. But Formula O2 was named Formula O2 because of the highly oxygenated water component of that. Um, so that's why it's called Formula O2. But a lot of times I'll just position it to people as a healthier alternative to the Gatorades and Red Bulls of the world. Did you guys bootstrap yourselves or did you have investors helping you along? We bootstrapped for the first three years of um, development. So we did some prototyping on our own. We did a lot of research. Um, I came from I came into this from a, a strategy and marketing background. So I had done in my past life at Nationwide, I'd done a lot of different um, types of market research for Nationwide. Um, focus groups, qualitative, quantitative research, stuff like that, stuff that I could never um, afford to replicate in, in the uh, startup world. Um, but I did want to make sure that we, we did our homework. 
And so we, uh, somebody's phone's working just to, I know whose it is. Uh, My wife knows exactly. (laughs) Well, that's a lot. (laughs) But, uh, we, we, we got ourselves through the first three years of, you know, doing this as sort of a side business. Um, and it was, it wasn't, you know, didn't cost a ton of money, but to do, you know, to do research, to do prototyping, that's going to cost some money. Um, and so we bootstrapped ourselves through that. And then once we had, once we were in a position where we were ready and confident to move forward with a large production run with the product that we had developed over the past, at the time it was three or four years, um, that's when we brought on a small group of, of investors. Um, so we raised some cash in the beverage world. Um, you know, people would scoff at the small amount relative to what other, other beverages are raising. Um, but one of the things that I pride myself in is, is the ability to stretch a buck. So we raised some cash, not a lot, um, in order to afford to do our first large production run. And since then, we have done one other small fundraise with the same people. And it's a total, I think, of it's under 10 investors. Um, and we've been able to get really far on very little. Um, so to, to answer your question, we, you know, we bootstrapped. Uh, technically, we bootstrapped the first three or four years, but I, I still think of us as bootstrapping in many ways. So can you talk a little bit about how you are getting into the gyms individually? Because like, there's different paths like for a drink to get to market. And um, you, know, you, guys have, you guys have chosen to go to the gyms directly yeah. and have them buy from you directly, which is, which is a different path. So like, can you talk about like how you did that, why you came to that decision? Yeah, for sure. We've, um, we've taken a very calculated and meticulous, meticulous approach to, to growing this business. Um, and so our approach is highly, uh, favors quality over quantity when it, when it comes to our accounts. So, um, you know, how we, how we started retailing at Maximus is a pretty good example. Um, we met you guys. We, uh, that was what, May of 2014. Yep. I think we talked about getting O2 in your gym, um, uh, that same month or the following month. And we wanted to make sure that we could do everything that we could to make it successful at Maximus. And I think that we have, hopefully we have. Yep. Um, and so we tend to work really closely with our, our gyms on the retail side of things to ensure that the partnership is successful. So what we don't do is we don't just ship somebody a bunch of cases and say, Hey, good luck selling it. You know, we'll let us know if you need anything. Um, we tend to be very rigorous with our customer service. We tend to be very, um, hands-on when it comes to, um, now, especially, setting up Formula O2 for success based on your own individual retail operation. And we also tend to be very, um, I would imagine, much more hands-on when it comes to uh, various types of sponsorships or, um, you know, customer service-related issues. I mean, you know, we have a a real-life person who's making phone calls and who's, you know, answering emails um, to all of our gyms every week. And it's it's definitely much more time-intensive, but... I'm very confident that we are, um, you know, the partnerships that we have, while they're much fewer than other brands um, that are in our industry, I'm very confident that, that they're much higher quality as well, um, just on a personal level, but also on a sales level. 
So it's very grassroots. It's very uh, store by store, gym by gym. Um, but instead of trying to get into as many places as we can and, you know, sell people as many products or as, as, as many cases as we can, um, right off the bat, we prefer to, um, work closely with a, an account to make sure it's successful and only then move on to other accounts. So your approach really demands that your customers have or create a retail operation. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure you've worked with everyone from people who are just getting started with retail for the very first time mm-hmm. to folks who have an ongoing operation and this is another product that they'll add to the mix. So yep. I'm, I'm curious just to hear what your observations are after working with that spectrum of, of gym owners yeah. and uh, you know, here just some general advice you have for uh, how to do retail well. Yeah, it's so, it's so funny, man. I mean, um, I've been studying retail particularly in the fitness industry, really closely for the past year, I would say. And I've found that retail success comes down to anything else in life. It's like anything else in life. You're going to get out of it what you put into it. You know, it's, it's not related to the size of your gym. It's not related to the type of gym you have. It's not related to your geography. It's not related to, you know, what other people in your area are doing. It's purely related to how much time and effort, um, and really how much effort are, are you, the gym owner willing to invest in your retail operation? Um, at the end of the day, you know, it's one of those things where we know we've got some great tips that we can offer a gym on introducing our product and other products into their retail operation uh, and, and to their members that will work, they're proven to work. But at the end of the day, you know, I can't make anybody do that stuff, you know, uh, um, ultimately it's up, it's up to the gym owner to, to put in the, put in the effort, um, to, to introduce formula O2 or any other retail product, um, into their, their, their gym. Um, but we have found that when gym owners are willing to do that, I mean, this is, this is one of very few things that can pay off quite a bit retail, um, quite a bit in terms of, um, a financial increase outside of, of just what you're pulling in for membership. And so the payoff is quite high, but it does take time and it does take effort. I think one of the things, and see if you agree with me, I think one of the things that a lot, some, some gym owners miss is the opportunity, both financially and also from an experience, customer mm-hmm. experience, of having a good retail setup. For so sure. Having, having really good apparel that your members are proud to wear and having easy access to that. And For sure. also just having good products. Um, I know that some gyms worry that they can buy things elsewhere, but it takes away from the experience of going to the gym and being able to grab it right then. Also, yeah. you like supporting, you know, your gym and there's also products that you can find at these gyms like that you work with that you can't mm-hmm. find these anywhere else. So it's, it is kind of cool to be able to go into the gym and buy an O2 when they, you know, that's the only place in town they can get it, you know? I- I completely agree. And and we at least have done that on purpose. I mean, we only sell O2 right now. It's it's CrossFit gyms and it's Whole Food stores. We just entered into a partnership with Europa, actually, that's going to broaden that um, pretty significantly. But it's still fitness industry. You know, it's it's not going to be at the gas station down the street. Um, our product's not going to be something you can get at the mom and pop shop, um, probably. So it's it's something where you can absolutely enhance your members' experience with your retail operation 
if you take a little bit of time and put in a little bit of effort to making it, um, you know, making it successful from the get go. Um, in terms of the dollar opportunity, and you guys know this as well as anybody, um, there are only so many members that, that you can pull in. And as such, there's only so many membership dollars that you can pull in. Um, but I've found with, with our gyms now, not all gyms, because not all gyms are, are putting in this effort, but with our gyms that put in the effort to their retail operation, they're increasing their revenue per member between 20 and 40% if they actually commit to retail. And that's a lot. You yeah. Know, in my, that's, that's a heck of a lot. And when you say commit to retail, you mean just, uh, nutrition or clothing, accessories, a whole all range of, of things, all of it. All yeah, yeah, I now, think that's a that's a point that a lot of them miss is like they know that on average a member pays you know one twenty a month, mm-hmm. and there's nothing else for them to purchase, and they're probably not going to want to pay you know above a certain rate at any point. Yeah. But when you have these other things that they have access to, like apparel or drinks, they they are going to buy that stuff somewhere, and they kind they want to buy it from you. So if you don't have it, you're really missing out on a lot of totally. revenue opportunity. Totally. I mean, you got to be, you got to be cognizant of what you're, what you're allowing into your gym. You know, um, I know you guys are pretty selective and I encourage all gyms to be very selective, uh, with respect to what they sell at their gym, because it's your, if, if you sell a product, you're endorsing that product. Um, after a certain point, you know, if you have a whole host of different supplements and drinks and apparel lines that you're selling, you know, it's going to get unwieldy. I recommend, between five and ten, um, you know, different products total. You now, depending on your size, I know Maximus has a much more advanced retail operation. You guys have been working on it for a long time, um, but I, I would suggest keep it simple, keep it clean, keep it the stuff that you yourself support. But if you start selling that stuff, if you like it, your members are going to like it too because they're just like you, right? Yeah, they'll do it. The coaches and the leadership, do totally. It well. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So if you start selling stuff that you like, your members are going to like it too. And by the way, you know, most members are pretty darn loyal to where they work out. So you're absolutely right. You know, they're, they're looking for this type of stuff because of who they are and they would love to support their box. This is why people, you know, wear I I wear, uh, my gym's t-shirt almost all the time. Um, if I'm not wearing an O2 shirt, I'm wearing a, uh, a CrossFit shirt that, that, that I picked up at one of our retailers. You know, I, I love supporting the gyms that I work out at um, and the gyms that support us. And gym members are no different, I think, everywhere. You find that loyalty. So not only do they want to buy these products, um, but they also want to support their gym at the same time. Yeah, I know one of the things, and I've seen this myself, if there's nothing for them to buy and they want something, then they leave the gym. Mm-hmm. So, like, if they finish a workout and they would like something to drink and there's nothing mm-hmm. there, then they leave to go somewhere to buy it yeah, versus sure. if they buy it and drink it there and kind of hang out. Sure. And that's sure. really, you know, that's that's a great part of the community is getting people to hang out and connect outside of the workouts and just get deeper relationships. Um, well, also, one of the things that I've seen for a lot of gyms is that the retail can actually pay for a front desk person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they'll be like, well, I can't afford have a front desk person but if right. you have a decent retail then it would pay for that and now your members have access to somebody that's always smiling checking right. them in and that's a huge benefit now and, and also they have access to all these products yeah so those those things can definitely like our goal is always to have re, our retail support paying for our front desk 
And if even if we're at a net, you know, zero on that, it's a yeah. huge service to be a net zero to add to to our membership. Totally, totally. Because obviously, that I mean that that adds a degree of of professionalism. I think that adds a degree of welcoming. I think that that adds a degree of a, a significantly higher customer service. And I, I saw that article that you wrote, Matt, in Box Pro Magazine, where you touched on that, and I thought it was, I thought it was spot on. I mean. I think a lot of people might be a little hesitant to jump into retail in that capacity right off the bat, but it's like anything else. You got to you got to take risks, right? If you're a small business owner, you're used to that sort of thing. Um, but I think that if you do retail in a way that's intelligent and in a way that you know makes sense for your membership base, it's no stretch to see that uh, paying off enough to be able to afford somebody at a front desk. Uh, in no time, I would say a month or two tops. And other businesses do this, right? Like the, you go to the gas station, you don't just buy gas. They have a right. huge retail operation. Totally. There's a reason why. There's a reason why they do that. Yeah. You talked about doing that intelligently, and a lot of that comes down to the right benchmarks. Mm-hmm. One of the ones I wanted to uh, get your feedback on was uh, payback period. So let's say I'm getting started for the first time, and I'm going to invest something small, take say $1,000. What's no. a if what's a good benchmark for me to look at for a payback period? Obviously, it's not a decade, but I can't. I'm not going to expect to recoup that money tomorrow. <clears throat> so, is there a good kind of uh, baseline that someone who's getting started could shoot for, so that they know that they're cycling that inventory at the right pace? Good question. Um, you should you know, have your mustache right now to yeah, twist. Right. I need something to twirl in order yeah. to answer this question properly. Um, Just puff on your pipe, and you'll be fine. I would say that uh, that thirty to sixty days is is probably a decent you know a decent benchmark without without giving it too much thought. I mean, most companies like ours, for example, will will offer our gym owners terms, and our terms are thirty days. So that means you know we we send you a shipment of O2, and a lot of our customers will pay for it up front, but we'll give you thirty days to pay for it, and that way it gives you a chance to sell through it. And if you're doing retail right, selling through you know our average shipments between, I would say, 6 and 10, 6 and 12 cases. Selling through 6, six or 12 cases of, of our product in a month is, is not that difficult to do if you're doing retail intelligently. And so you've not only have you made your money back in order to pay us, but you've also made a significant profit on top of that to buy other stuff you know, or to uh, pay your front desk person or whatever. So I think that, that it's, it's, not too, it's not too tricky and it doesn't take too long. It just takes the right moves. Okay, we're going to pause the show for just a moment to do something a little different today. We want to thank our listeners by giving three of you a free case of Formula O2. Here's how it works. All you have to do is head to Facebook, write a post mentioning that you've been listening to our podcast, and add the hashtag SweatAngelsO2. That's SweatAngelsO2. We'll pick three of you as winners, and we'll send you a Facebook message to let you know you've won. And that's it. So again, all you have to do is head to Facebook, mention us in a post, and add the hashtag SweatAngels02, and we'll pick three of you to receive a free case of Formula O2. Got it? Okay, back to the show. Have you seen a few, and we're finishing up, but I wanted to make sure I asked, have you seen, has there been retail operations and gyms that you've seen that were really put together? And then, absolutely. so what do you notice as kind of a trend with those? So, all right. So, so, so since we're wrapping up, um, I'll tell you this much retail is retail, whether you're retailing something in a CrossFit gym or retailing something at Whole Foods, it comes down to three things. It comes down to, uh, visibility, 
number one. It comes down to um, number two is just product education, so education on what you're what you're carrying. And number three, it comes down to ease of access, so how you how you charge people for stuff. Visibility is pretty straightforward. In order for somebody to even consider um, buying a product, they have to see it for sale first. You know, and I actually see this missed a lot. A lot of gyms they put that I do shirts that, under the desk. Yeah, right. Exactly. It <laughs> happens a lot. Yeah. A, uh, a, a traditional refrigerator without a glass door in you know the back room or whatever. Nobody's going to see that stuff, and as a result, nobody's going to even think about buying it. You know. So in order for somebody to, to even think about buying something, they first have to see it. This is why brands fight for shelf space at the grocery store. You know. So number two, education. Once they see something, doesn't mean they're automatically going to want to buy it. You've got to give them a reason to want to buy it. So for us, that comes down to, you know, we, we sample Formula O2 ourselves a lot at places like Whole Foods. Um, I'll do it a lot when I visit different gyms. I'll just work out and then sample it after. Um, but in large part, it comes down to the gym. You know, sample the products out that you sell so that you've given people a reason to consider buying those products. I have one add-on for that one, too. Yeah, why you said that because it's something that we do here that I think works. So when you have a new product come to retail announce that during classes and just spend like 20 to 30 seconds talking about the new product and why you guys brought it in. And then maybe four to five Facebook posts of a coach using that product over the first few weeks. Um, those things will do wonders yeah. to get people educated on why you have this thing. Cause like you said, we could add something new tomorrow, but if we didn't tell anyone, like it yeah, would never sell. No one totally. even know it's there. So totally. That, totally. that class, especially with uh, group classes, before class, 20 seconds, hey, we have this new product. This is why we brought it in. We love you guys. This is how much it costs. Right. You know, We're doing a sample this weekend. That stuff goes a long way. It makes perfect sense, and it's so easy to do. Um, but honestly, it's, it's just not done nearly as much as it should be. I think that's a great idea, and I'm not surprised that it works, Matt. Um, but I, I don't see many gyms out there doing stuff like that. And as a result... The stuff that they take in just kind of sits there, but it's the, the onus is on you, the gym owner, right? If you've brought something in, then you've got to sell it, you know, and the way to sell it is to make it visible and educate your members about it and make it easy to purchase. So those are the three things. Pretty straightforward. It's not rocket science, but it does take a little bit of work, but it doesn't have to be a lot of work. Boom. One, two, three. Dave, we want to thank you for being on the show with us today. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. It was fun. You'll be able to do your second episode when you grow that mustache back hey, out. See, I've got a start here. Uh, I was planning on shaving tonight, but mm. you? Mm. Yeah. And everybody, be sure to check out Dave's commercial in a hot tub. Yeah, we'll put a link for it on the uh, blog post related <laughs> to this. That was a great commercial, Dave. I saw the blooper you did the other day for that. That's good stuff. Yeah, it was, that one was kind of fun to film. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, it was great having you, and uh, like always, you know, we're, we're always happy to talk and uh, share ideas. It was fun, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. All right, appreciate thanks it. again, Dave. Thanks again for listening today. The Gym Owner's Guide to the Galaxy was produced by Matt Sharp, Jeremy Russell, and me, John Ruggie. To make sure you catch every episode, search for The Gym Owner's Guide to the Galaxy on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. We're always looking for industry leaders to interview on the show, so if there's anyone you'd like to see us feature on a future episode, let us know at podcast at causely.com. That's causely.com. We are a production of Sweat Angels, the number one referral program for gym owners. Sweat Angels helps drive new members at your gym by combining Facebook check-ins with giving back. If you haven't heard of us, just go to causely.com. 
facebook.com forward slash sweat angels or search for us on facebook thanks for listening we'll see you next time on the gym owner's guide to the galaxy so you're just going to say we met talk about how we met and stuff and yeah right into that unfortunately right. i can't remember how we met I so can, that's I can a problem about that that hurts john that that hurts <laughs> we met at the crossfit event a couple years ago dave had a crazy mustache and we were both scrappy as hell <laughs>